two two things. I know we only have a week left, but if you come across or are already sort of aware of maybe another medium we can use other than Skype that gets into Twitch in a better right, he way. He froze for you guys too, that. right? Is this, is... <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> are you shitting me? It never I was, fails. I was hanging Every on. episode. I was hanging on bated breath. I was like, <laughs> Zuh. <laughs> and if this is just like every other time, he can still hear us, but we can't hear him. Every word. And he's yelling instructions at us or something I'm right now. Every word. And I'm just sitting here in a resigned fashion. Try to I'm wait it out. Wait see if he for, catches yeah, up or if he's just exactly, going to leave the call and it, come back. Wait it out. And wait it out. It's still Wi Fi. Are you guys hardwired? Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah. Oh, shit. Are you Are you not? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm definitely on Wi Fi. Okay. Yeah, my router's never right next to me, so I just plug the. Uh... <laughs> How's that go? <laughs> <laughs> so you could do sound effects too. <laughs> Around the That's back, a simple around the sound back, effect, around the I got... back, <laughs> around the back. <laughs> That's where I point to, around the back. <laughs> I like that it's the little things with you, Andy. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy that. <laughs> Who wants a little cat five? <laughs> uh, better if my uh, Ethernet cable was brown. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Brad Guy and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is someone that followed the White Rabbit to get here, Andy Stoles. What's up, podcast people? Uh, next up, he's the new architect of the Matrix, and to quote Peter Quill, he's going to make some weird shit, Josh Zorch. That's as accurate of anything that I think you've ever said about me. <laughs> uh, and lastly, he's as glorious as Morpheus, Ian Leidick. I try... All the time in the simulation. Oh my god. Do I pray? I pray every single day to revolution! I feel like I should know what song he's ripping off, and I don't, I can't place it. Four non blondes. It's the He Man song. Oh. No, it's the He Man song. Wait, it's a He Man song? That's the meme video. You don't, like, the He Man going. No, I'm not. Like, <laughs> you got, like, you're fucking. I, now I don't know if you're young or like, like dinosaur aged. Like, did you miss out on the the He Man video? I definitely, place? I definitely missed that somewhere along the line. I, I I'm. Well, now Christ. actually, Ian. So I'm curious. Is your reference that like? Is that the only reason that you know that song, or are you actually aware <laughs> of that real song? That's the only reason I know the song, and I did know by now though that it was uh, by Four Non Blondes. Gotcha. Just because I just but, said it, or <laughs> no? I found that out, you know, within the last three years. <laughs> okay. Which is, I think that's that He Man video has been around for like over a decade. Okay, so it's an old meme that I'm missing out on, not a new meme. 
That's why I can't tell if you're old or young. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we get started, I'm going to get some housekeeping out of the way. So this episode brings us in at number 249, which means the next episode we will be doing is our 250th episode. Huzzah! Uh, yeah, yay. Uh, we've been <laughs> teasing it for a few episodes now, so uh, we finally nailed down the date. Uh, so we're going to record on Saturday, January 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we are doing another list episode, so it will be our top 10 favorite movies of 2020 and 2021. We're making it two years since we didn't do one for 2020, so anything that came out in 2020 and 2021 are fair game. Uh, if you want to come and join us, hang out for the episode, we're going to broadcast that live on my Twitch channel. So you can find me at Jedi Guy on Twitch. Give me a follow. You'll be ready to go for whenever we go live. Uh, I always try to have a link to my Twitch channel in the episode description. So if you missed this little tidbit and don't want to search for me, just go to the episode description. The link is there. You can follow us there. Uh, I am expecting this to probably be a long episode, so feel free to stop in when you can. Our list episodes are traditionally pretty damn long. So, and I think there's, what, four? We're, we're going to have four of the five guys on. So it might not be as long as, as, as it could have been, but we're still going to end up probably going pretty pretty long. We did three hours with three of us, so if there's four of us, you know, we'll, ball, we'll ballpark it at four. But we'll see how it goes. And make sure to bring your own lists and share them in the chat with us. Yeah, there will be a chat room so we can all discuss as we're going. Which And then Brian's worried I'm going to get bored, so I'm also probably going to be streaming a video game at the same time <laughs> if you get bored. We'll leave links to Ian's stream as, in my stream as we're going through. So you can... Too bad so we can't, up, like, squad open stream. Open up a new window. Yeah. 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 Don't monitor. That would be better. Uh, for anyone that misses the live show, don't worry. I will be editing and uploading the audio form as normal. Um, if it ends up being four hours, I might split it into two parts. I don't usually do that, but that might be easier to digest for people looking at a four-hour runtime, so we'll see how long this clocks in and what we end up doing. It probably will not be uploaded audio form the same weekend, but it will be posted eventually. I'll try to keep you posted when it's coming. Uh, so that's it for that. I will remind you guys probably at the end of the episode, too. Uh, I will start probably posting on our socials in the week lead up, because it's about a week, a little over a week, lead up for the, for the show. Throw the links out there, remind everybody that's coming. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, all right, so on to this episode. This episode, we are talking about the latest movie in the Matrix franchise, which is The Matrix Resurrections, which is the fourth movie in the franchise, if you're keeping track. Uh, this movie is directed by Lena Wachowski, written by Lena Wachowski, David Mitchell, and Alexander Heyman. Heyman? Uh, stars Keanu Reeves, Carrie Almas, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, uh, Jonathan Groff, just. Jessica Henwick, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, and Jada Pickett-Smith. Currently, Rotten Tomatoes rating for the movie. Critic rating, at 63%. Audience rating, 63%. So something they can actually agree on. Uh, Metacritic score has a meta score of 63. So also right in line with everybody else. User score, 3.8. So that one's coming in pretty low. Looking at the numbers for the last couple weekends, it uh, the movie opened with $11 million domestic, has currently only made $36 million total domestically. Uh, worldwide total goes up to $140 million. According to, what did I look at, Samba TV, which apparently measures streaming viewership on smart TVs, has registered The Matrix Resurrections was viewed by 2.8 million people. So obviously those numbers cut into ticket sales a bit because this was available on HBO Max day and date with theater releases. Uh, 
And, you know, between that and growing concerns over COVID and people shying away from movie theaters right now, obviously that cut into some of the box office haul. Uh, the other stat that I saw that was according to a site called Muso, which tracks pirated content, The Matrix Resurrection, Resurrections was the most pirated feature the week of its release. So that did not help theaters or HBO Max numbers. Well, it probably didn't impact them because someone pirating was never going to pay for it. Well, right. But I like mean, nine times out of ten. It, it shows but that think, enough people Speaking went of out the box office, though, um, this only did like 20 million less than Suicide Squad, 20 million less than Space Jam. Okay. Uh, it did 60 million more than Mortal Kombat. Okay. So just compared like, to everything looking else at on, other HBO yeah, Max. HBO Max. So, okay. That's a good comparison. Like the big outlier for HBO Max is Godzilla vs. Kong, which did 467. And that was the real big kind of, at the time, return to theater movie type of thing. Mm -hmm. So what that about, got a lot that's of people when back. We all thought, what about yeah, Dune? But, yeah. but also, I think... 223. God, Godzilla and Mortal Kombat, I feel like those were... Godzilla was the test. I feel like how well is the first big blockbuster that we're doing uh, straight to streaming as well going to do and how many people will get back to the theater for it. That was like late March. Mortal Kombat was mid-May or mid-April. Mm. And that was only really on the cusp of most people really starting to get their vaccination shots, if that's what they were waiting for. Yeah. So I feel like they kind of like laid those down on the landmine. Like, let's like these are literally going to be the guinea pigs. So I, I, it's like not exactly apples to apples on some of those, I think. But I'm a little surprised that Matrix did not bring in as much in the box office. It's yeah, it's difficult it to to keep track of all this stuff. And and that's a good comparison with all those cuz I didn't think about mm -hmm. looking at just HBO Max releases, but almost anything that you feel like, especially the stuff that came out on HBO Max too, I think almost everything over the last year all the box office stuff, I feel like needs an asterisk in there. Like it's a time and place that because of the pandemic and everything else that's going on, obviously the numbers are probably going to be lower than what they could have been any other time. Mhm. Mm but and just for comparative sake, I did look up past Matrix movies. So the first Matrix released in 1999, domestic opening 28 million, ended up with a worldwide total of 467 million. Matrix Reloaded opened May 15th, 2003, domestic opening 92 million, worldwide total $742 million. Shit. Matrix Revolutions came out the same year, 2003, released in November. Opened at forty-eight million, so already cut in half. Ended up worldwide total four hundred and twenty-seven million, so less than the first Matrix. It's because so many people were hyped for that second one and saw it, and then was like, "I don't know what the hell's going on. And I don't care to I, see the other one." And correct, didn't. correct. <clears throat> so comparatively, this is this is the worst box office for any Matrix movie by a good margin. Like everything else. The lowest we had before was 427 million. The what this is is 140 right now. I mean, it might gain a little bit over the next couple of weeks, but I don't know how long it's going to last in theaters. It's definitely not going to have the legs. I'd be surprised if it hits 200 million. I think it just it had the unfortunate timing of like the other movies that Ian mentioned, like Suicide Squad, Dune. Those were in a, a real sweet spot before the especially Omicron variant really started just sweeping through the population again. Oh yeah. And it was so close to Christmas that 
those things combined, you know, people might have wanted to stay safe and like, well, I also have this other option. I want to see this. I'll just stay home. People didn't have that option with Spider-Man. Right. You know, that then that might be the one wild card. Like, yeah, Spider-Man made a billion and a half. So isn't that a counterpoint to that? But there was no other way to see it. Right. So that was like the calculated risk. I want to see that well enough. You know, I want to see that enough. I don't have any other way to. So I'm going to do it for this. If I care about the Matrix, I have other options. I feel like that was something we talked about whenever they talked, when HBO announced they were going to do like their 2021 slate all on HBO Max, how that would affect the theater system. And if Spider-Man's any indication, theaters, theaters are going to be fine. You put the right movie in the movie theaters, people are going to go see it. It's going to make a shit ton of money. It doesn't matter where and when. And at the very least, Spider-Man is definitely the exception over the last two years because it we'll made a shit ton of money. Spider-Man is the whole different category of movie. Yeah. Like, Spider-Man does numbers all the time. But even, yeah. That's... Not like this, though. Even, right. Th- this is exceptional even for it. Like, I know Far From Home made a billion, which honestly did surprise me at the time. I figured it would do well, but not that well. Um, the numbers this is doing, I guess it makes sense on paper, but I'm still shocked how much it pulled in right now yeah i mean just looking at the numbers you wouldn't think that this is in the middle of a pandemic like you'd think this is regular box office we're back to normal like the kind of money like it could have made two billion easy if we were like at the rate it's going if we were in out of the pandemic and everything was back to normal and you could go everywhere you wanted to go without worrying about getting sick or anything like that i think spider-man could have easily done two million dollars two billion dollars which not to get sidetracked too much, but I heard that that was one of the, at least the way they're positioning it, the bigger contributing factor to delaying Morbius was not as much of uh, COVID related stuff. Still, they did not want to distract audiences from possibly continuing to go see Spider-Man if they I keep it that. in theaters longer. Yeah. Which, you know, from Sony's perspective, just give me all the monies. Who cares? So, right. They're like, they're, they probably calculate a risk, right? Like, Morbius is expected to do a certain amount, and it probably won't be that different w- whether it's now or in April. And if anything, maybe, maybe you take it up 1% or 2% from additional people seeing Spider-Man. Right. And then deciding to do that, but... Yeah. I digress. Because um, we're talking just, about The Matrix. Yeah. Uh, just based on the box office numbers, do you think that shows interest in the franchise is fading just with all the declining numbers over the last three movies? I think it says more, uh, well, I think this one specifically says the most about the, this movie is maybe the cagiest in the sense that I, I think people don't know how to take it in. I think it, it does a lot of weird shit. <laughs> I, I think we all, not all, maybe not all agree, but that the third Matrix movie wasn't good. It was easily the worst of the original trilogy, yeah. so I'm not surprised like that had a big drop off because that's word of mouth, like... That still matters a lot for these movies. And I, I don't know if how many people walking out of Resurrections would be like, this is worth going to a theater for. Oh, right. Yeah. I think general audiences, I th- I bet they wouldn't be like, yo, you got to get in there for this. It's not like, it's not, yo, Spider-Man's sick as shit, bro. <laughs> you know? Uh, Andy, what do you think? Uh, I think Ian touched on something very good there. It's a word of mouth. And I know a lot of people that were going to see this for like, free you know subscription hbo max um and then you know if they liked it they would go to see it in the theater and i think it's pretty telling that the numbers are saying that they're not going to see it in the theater so it's probably not very good theater watch but yeah this is definitely 
like on the top of the steel phantom was the matrix and the bottom <laughs> of the steel phantom is, is where some resurrections are it's just a, a very steadily declining hill yeah uh josh anything to add what do you think um i had absolutely meant to see this in theaters and it just didn't work out and i i wanted to catch it before it left hbo max just so i could see it um so we watched it at home and i actually think it would have been better the first time if that you know if that's the only time i'm gonna watch it like for a long time probably would have been better in a theater big screen big sound system that whole environment um but yeah, like I said, I, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. Like, yeah, I had this other option, and I'm glad I was able to still consume it. Um, but would I have made a different decision had that not been available? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I did I did actually go to the theater for it the first time, and then I did watch it a second time at home. Um, I think the theater experience was, was better, obviously. Um, but I also don't know if there was too much, at least trying to rack my my memory now because it's been a couple weeks but if there's anything in it that really I was like oh yeah okay this needs to be in the theater this not like Dune or something like that that I feel like was specifically made and definitely enhances the experience if you see it in the theater so I let me let me tag on to that real quick because I I don't recall if I saw the original Matrix in theaters or not at the time I might not have been because I wasn't 18 but also theaters didn't seem to give a shit as much at that <laughs> point about that stuff um I know I definitely saw the second one in theaters. And again, I was right in that group that like, I didn't care to see the third. I saw it for free when it came to play on like my college campus, you know, the season after it was released mm. about two years ago. I know it was definitely pre COVID. It was maybe sometime like late 2019. Um, yeah, it would have been 2019. They were doing a 20th anniversary uh, screening. Um, so Sarah and I, and, and a couple other of our friends, we went, to the theater for it and saw the first matrix on the big screen. So to your point, after that experience, I don't know if there's necessarily anything about resurrections that, uh, yeah, you're like, Oh yes, absolutely. This is the theater sequence. This is the reason. Right. Right. But I will say after having kind of a quasi recent experience with the first movie again in, in a real auditorium, I think it's easier to lose yourself in the notion of the world. Okay. And, and, yeah. and there's some, there's something to how you take in what you're watching based on that effect, uh, as opposed to sitting on your couch, maybe with the, you know, all the lamps off, but maybe you have, you know, your overhead lights on or some soft lamps, like whatever the, the ambiance, the, the feeling of it, you know, si sitting in front of a 60 foot screen is, you know, going to be different than whatever television you have at home. Like I said, you know, from the bedroom in your living room on the couch. And I think a, a story like this, being in the dark, being with the big screen, makes you feel a bit more like you're a part of the proceedings. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the experience of it comes off better. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I know some of you, I think, just talking off off before, like before we recorded and stuff. Um, Ian, I think you said you rewatched all the other matrix movies right you went through the trilogy i saw the other matrix eyes in the last week <laughs> did uh was any of those new for you or they were they rewatches uh the third i didn't see ever so it was a brand new experience for you watching the third one correct um andy what about you did you say you were marathoning 
Yes, we watched The Matrix, uh, Reloaded, and a Matrix, and then um, Revolutions. Okay. Josh, did you do the rewatch too? We we did. Let me put a sidebar real quick. Does the I've never watched Animatrix. Um, does that add anything to it's, like the the experience of the others? Even? It's like lore, you know, backstory. It's more world building. Yeah. yeah. It, From what I remember, there's a little bit with Jada Pickett Smith's character in there, right? Do, does it make mm, Revolutions or Reloaded so. less bad? Uh, well, Reloaded's great, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, the question stands. stands it it fills stands, in sir. gaps between two and three, I think, and it's okay. it's a pretty neat uh, little film because it's it's nine different animation styles of little nine like short stories, which is pretty cool. So. Okay, and that was released between one and two. I don't know if right? it was released between one between. I don't know like when it was released, but it like I I looked up like a Matrix viewing order and it said to watch mm-hmm. between two and three. So, oh, I see. Okay. I didn't necessarily agree that that's where you had to watch it, but mm-hmm. that's pretty good. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, Brian, to answer your question, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I just told the story. We, at the very least, went and saw the first one again just a few years ago. Um, we did go through the other three uh, primarily because I had only seen two and three once, and that was in 2003. Yeah. Um, and Sarah could not recall if she had ever seen two. She knew she hadn't seen three. Um, and she, so even in the year, you know, in January, 2022, someone watching those two movies, especially, uh, revolutions for the first time, it still plays the same way it did when it was released. <laughs> and people right. still have the same, just slogging through like, oh, okay. So, Looking yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll pick some of your guys because I did not do the rewatch. I only watched, uh, resurrections. And playing off my memory of, I know I've seen the first Matrix a good amount of times, reloaded maybe two or three. I think Revolutions I've only seen once, and I think that was in the theater too. I don't think I've ever actually rewatched that one. Um, so I'm just trying to pull a lot of that stuff from memory, which might have been the one you kind of needed to see before Resurrections, because I think that's the one they pull a lot of inf- at least story information from, where it's like trying to remember where these characters left off, and you're like, wait, didn't didn't this happen? Did did this happen? And you. The movie kind of gives it, the Resurrections kind of gives it to you, but I think it'd be better to have that stuff fresh in your mind. Um, but maybe just, like, I'll start with Ian. Watching all that stuff again, did that help you lead into Resurrections? Was it a better viewing experience? Did it, did it I don't know, make the trilogy any better for you or no? Um, I, I don't know if it made Resurrections different. I, I, I guess you have a fresh mind of just what the Matrix movies tried to do as a whole and what they're kind of about. I, I don't think you necessarily need to like refresh of um was Neo dead at the end of the third one to like get into yeah. this one? I mean it's kinda in the title. Yeah. You know? Not fair, yeah. So I don't know if that's necessary. I did watch the third one twice because I wanted to see is this bad or do I just think it's bad because people say it's bad? <laughs> and I think that one improved on the second rewatch, and I, I think it does a lot of things I don't think people wanted it to do, which is kind of also a Wachowski thing, I feel like, yeah. where they want to make something different and not just following along. Like, that's kind of what that Speed Racer thing was. That was weird and fantastical. Yeah, which I can't wait to so get I don't to. Know I love that movie. It's <laughs> necessary to have watched them, but I, I think knowing you have a seemingly conclusion to that trilogy leading up through it kind of adds to the value of, like, watching them again. Yeah. 
Um, Andy, what do you think about your rewatch? Improve the movies better, better than you know this time around. I think I I fell into your shoes a little bit with the original watch. Like I've seen the first movie a whole bunch of times, maybe the second one, two or three, and then I'm pretty sure my movie going experience was the only revolution that I saw. So that yeah. was like a second watch for me. And the Animatrix I had never seen before, so that was actually a really a pretty cool experience, as odd as it was. Um, I do think it helped watching those movies into the fourth movie. Um, yeah. Did it improve your viewing experience? Like, do you remember any of them liking more or less the second now that you just recently rewatched them all? I remember not liking Revolutions at all, and I think there were redeeming qualities in it the second time I watched it. Okay. I want to add to I the Matrix is still like maybe one of the best movies ever made. Like that's what the rewatch did for me. Just reestablished. Oh yeah, some Americans can make a really good kung fu movie. <laughs> yeah, that first really one is good. very good. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies that I own probably a DVD and a Blu-ray of, and if it's on TV, I'll still put it on. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, like Resurrections got it right when you hear the word matrix you think bullet time <laughs> that's fair yes yeah uh, yeah and i i think something like the matrix at the time it came out i think more people were enthralled by the um the camera work and the cinematography the yes. the, the bullet yeah. time things yeah. like that the way that they used cameras and panning and freeze frame and moving in the frame you know freeze frame all that kind of stuff i will say at the time i think there wasn't enough appreciation given to i I should be able to say this better but just like the weird ass nature of the story (laughs) there there wasn't anything like that like it was it was it was it was all embedded in the not to, I, I'm not thinking of better words right now, but like the world of computers, it was all metaphors on top of, you know, uh, uh, similes and 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 it, the the subject matter wasn't as well known. People yeah. did, and I myself speaking, I guess, like as a 15 year old that in that year, but just thinking about like where was computing at the time. Like the the percentage of people who still had home internet access or even a home computer was relatively low, so the the just basic public knowledge about the things that they were talking about and what the representations of what the things they were talking about meant, I don't think people had as good of a, of a grasp on. So it was not to sound cliche in this way because I don't like defend it to the death, but it was ahead of its time. Like it, oh yeah, the, yeah. The, the the creators and the story, right? You know they just thought about things in a way that the people weren't caught up to yet even think about like the year it was released to 1999 so it was right around y2k when everyone's freaking out about computer systems that are going to die and you know everything's going to the whole infrastructure is going to get fucked up like that Mm -hmm. whole thing and even just technology now the way it's veering into vr like the matrix feels very vr and when you start to seeing some of that stuff in real life, it's like, well, all right, well, we'll see, you know, 10 years, 10 years from now, how well this movie may have predicted where like VR is going to go. Mm. Like that could be interesting to see. Um, I guess just sort of like uh spoiler free for, for resurrections. What did you guys think of, of the fourth movie, this one resurrections. And then I guess compounding that question, do you think that 
someone coming into Resurrections, do you think they would need to watch the original trilogy before jumping into this one? Do they need three movies worth of homework before seeing Resurrections, or if they could just jump into Resurrections? Uh, Andy, what do you think? I feel like Resurrections did a pretty good job of of sort of glimpsing you into the things that happened in the past and referencing the stuff that uh, happened mm-hmm. in the other three movies. Uh, just with like very, very short glimpses of flashbacks and whatnot. Um, so you probably didn't need to see the other three to see this movie, but I feel like you're never going to see the other three if you see this movie. <laughs> um, and, uh, I would say this movie for me was the worst of all the movies. Okay. Um, it's kind of like Indiana Jones 4 for me. It's, <laughs> 4. You know, it's, it's, it's still a Matrix movie. Like Indiana Jones was still an Indiana Jones movie, but it's definitely the least favorite. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Uh, Ian, what do you think? So, I I think, you yeah, obviously you can walk into a theater and watch this movie without seeing the other three, but you're missing the whole movie at that point. Like, like, you could go in there, kind of understand what's going on, but the point of the movie is the fact that it's a sequel yeah. to a franchise that had its heyday 20 years ago. Like, the whole overarching narrative is the fact that it's a retread, sequel, orgy fest thing. <laughs> like, multiple characters point that out, that were in the original movies. Yeah. And some of them are played by different characters now pointing it out. Because that's Hollywood. That's what Marvel does now. They recast actors and new roles. It's a Metacritic on the blockbuster system. I think my first time watching this, I, I felt disappointed going into it because it, it didn't do what I wanted it to do, which I think is still, even rewatching it, I think the weakest part of this movie is it didn't, it never did give us a new bullet time. Neil Patrick Harris says new bullet time. There's not. <laughs> There's no such thing. This movie didn't do a new thing that broke ground original matrix had bullet time reloaded had that highway scene that was fucking fantastic and at the time was unlike other chase scenes you had ever seen this one didn't have any of that i think i told brian this off air when i was re-watching them i was like you know like all of that like holds together all of this like not just the cgi but all of the work to make these different scenes holds up still to this day. You're not like, oh, that looks like shit like that Spawn movie, you know? <laughs> it's not like that. In Resurrections, I don't think they did anything they couldn't have done in 1999. Okay, yeah, yeah, The only real thing is, like, Jada Pinkett Smith, but, like, that didn't look great. She d- looks weird. You can't make people old. <laughs> you still can't do it. So I-, I think you have to see those ones to get this movie and. On the second rewatch, it started to click with me a little more, and I, I like this film. Okay. Uh, Josh, what do you think of the trilogy? Is it is it a must-watch? And what do you think of this movie, generally, spoiler-free? Uh, for most of the way that Ian characterized it, I would agree with that. There's a, a lens that you have to watch this through to even try to appreciate it. And you can still dislike it in the end, if that's where you go. You can have you know, not favorable feelings, but to appreciate what you're watching. I, I agree with him. I think you need that context. You need the, you need to at least understand the time that has elapsed between yeah. the release of those films. Um, 
Um, I've been thinking about this today uh, in preparation for a question that, you know, like this that would come up. And when recently you, myself, and, and Bradley were talking about our anticipated movies for 2022, um, and I was discussing Scream, mm-hmm. one of the ways that I categorized what I was looking forward to that was uh, whatever I called it, like the hook, you know, or the thing that they did differently. And I'm going to talk about this in sort of the same way. So the, the the reason that Scream was unique as a, as a horror movie was because of what the very first one did. And it took 20 years of slasher films deconstructed what they do and used it as the plot effectively. And, and, and it almost, it was, it was very meta in a certain way. Uh, Scream 2 and 3 didn't really do that as much. It more continued the character story, which was fine. Scream 4 comes back in 2011 and finds a new hook. Uh, I'm going to go spoilers on Scream 4 for anybody because <laughs> I, I need it for the context of this. And I know we don't have that many horror fans. Fast anyway, forward 30 seconds. Yeah. So... The idea behind Scream 4 is that it's on the burgeoning cusp of the YouTube, YouTubing of the world and people becoming YouTubers. And now we have TikTokers and people are on Snapchat and you're known from these media things and whatnot. And uh, the, 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 the killer, the main killer killers, that is the perspective that they're going through that's their motivation that's why they're doing what they're doing because in that new age of media what is it that you need to do in order to become notable you know how does the average person become notable for 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 nothing special and that's how i I was bringing up the idea to bradley with the new scream i'm interested in the hook okay so all that said i appreciated the hook of this movie. Like I, the whole I, first act stuff that they set up. And, yeah. Very much. Very much. I, I didn't necessarily have any preconceived notion of like what, what was the inroad? What are they presenting to us that is the reason for this continuing story to, to be occurring? So I actually thought it was very creative, if nothing else, um, to to think of what had come before through the way you know through the prism that they did, and present it in that way. I, I I thought that was very very cool. I know I definitely need to watch this again. I don't I didn't have unfavorable feelings most of the way through. By the by the end, I think my first thought once the credits started rolling was, so what changed? <laughs> and and what did we? Like what? What is different now, really, than the start of the movie? Right. Um. And my initial first thought was, okay, if that was the whole thing, did they just tell us a different version of the first movie again? It's kind of where I came out on. Right. Yeah. We'll um, have to, we'll dive into that for sure. Right. 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 Um. But I'd say I'm kind of right in the middle. I'm sure there's more about this that I would enjoy on a second rewatch. On a second watch, um, but uh, I, 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 as like at least like a popcorn flick, I, I did not. I, I think I was able to follow 
what was going on much more than I ever did the previous movies. But again, that has to do with my own age and my understanding of the subject matter as time has gone on and whatnot. Um, so that definitely aided in me being able to just follow what the hell was happening. Yeah. Um, I do think, uh, I think it was, I, I don't remember if it was Andy or Ian or maybe they both kind of said it. I, I'm thinking, I think both their points is one that Andy was saying that, uh, maybe start with like, if you want to rewatch these or, uh, like if you're coming into matrix four for the first time, I definitely think it's probably worth watching the trilogy first. Uh, like Andy said, I think that obviously you want to see the best one. Like if you're going to start with four and only watch four, there's a good chance it's going to turn you off and you're not going to want to watch the other ones. So I would definitely say start with Matrix 1, Matrix 1, work your way through, and then finally get to Resurrections. I think Ian had pointed out that, yeah, the story makes a lot more sense if you do it that way, too. I think you're going to catch up on a lot of the nods that Matrix 4 does that if you're just going into 4 on its own, they're just going to go over your head. You're not going to understand the references they're making, the stuff they're referring to, the little in-jokes from movies in the past and stuff like that. I think all that stuff helps strengthen this movie. Uh, so I think it is difficult to go in just to see Resurrections, and that's your only Matrix exposure. Um, I mean, th like, there might be enough to figure out the movie, and you could probably follow it, but I think you're going to be asking the person next to you, what does that mean? Th am I supposed to get that? What What's that for? So you'll probably come out of it with a lot more questions. Um, I think I I think I enjoyed the movie. Like, I'm, I'm coming out kind of, like, mediocre, leaning towards good. Like, good, not great type of feel. Like, I... Like... I think like Josh, you were saying, I think the first act is really good. I think it sets up the story really good. I like the, the meta play that they did to set up the world and how everything sort of makes sense now and how this world works after the, what the trilogy did. That was cool. And then after a while, yeah, by the end, you're kind of like, I, I think I can understand it. And I think where I see where they're going and what's going on, but it's still a little heady. Maybe, I don't know. And that's something we're, we're just going to get into for spoilers. So, I think at this point, it's probably best just to veer into the spoilers so we can talk about what we want to stop beating around the bush. So that's where we'll go. If you have not seen The Matrix Resurrections, and uh, just to cover our asses, I'll throw out the spoilers for any other Matrix movie out there because we'll probably, in some form or another, talk about all of them. Uh, and Ghost in the Shell. And Ian, Ian will throw in Ghost in the Shell references because I'm sure that's coming too. Uh, so pause this now, come back and listen after you've seen the movies and got caught up. Uh, this is your last call. Spoilers to follow for Matrix and... Maybe also Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, I don't have anything planned for Ghost in the Shell. I just wanted to say the title. <laughs> maybe watch it again. Make people watch it, and then they come back here and there's no spoilers for Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> not gonna, I'm not going to mention it once. <laughs> hey, it's, you mentioned it once, so, I mean, that's enough for a hashtag Ghost in the Shell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Getting that hashtag in. <laughs> oh, please notice me, senpai. Wee-wee-wee. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so we are into spoiler territory. We're free to talk about whatever we like to do. I, I'm going to start with the one question that after two viewings, I still have no idea what this is supposed, who this is supposed to be, if I'm supposed to recognize this person. Hopefully you guys can answer because all three of you have recently watched the trilogy again. There's a fight somewhere in like the middle of the movie where Neo and all the his crew enter the matrix there. I forget where they're headed, uh, but they encounter agent Smith. And then a lot of like other programs that sort of got caught in limbo somewhere that are like coming back to attack them. That's and there's the, a homeless guy there. That's the Merovingian. 
Yeah, they call him Merv. The French guy. I don't know who that is. The, the French guy that... Uh, um, who they go to meet at like, the restaurant. Trinity, and, uh, had to, Trinity had to kiss his wife to get the key and reloaded. No, Neo did. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Trinity got pissed off. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. so I don't remember this at all. He's a pretty major player in the second and third and movies. And he looked he's, completely he's... different. He was actually like very well clean shaven, and he he was oh, yeah, very he, he like was high class. Like, he was basically like the freaking um, mob boss of the Matrix. Okay, or like a classic like Bond villain, yeah. like you know the high class rich guy. See, then I should definitely should have rewatched the movie because I like the 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 uh, street chase and Reloaded is what sticks in my mind. Some of the stuff with the architect sticks in my mind from that movie. Three. I remember Trinity and Neo dying, and that was the takeaway that I remember. Everything else has, has kind of left my brain. So the camera is focusing on this guy. He's shouting at them, and I have no idea who this homeless man is supposed to be, and I was so confused. <laughs> That's actually one of the parts of the movie that I didn't really care for, is I felt like they had a lot of, a good many uh, characters that didn't do really anything. Yeah. Well, like, who else comes to mind for that for you? Um, I didn't think the Morpheus character did a whole lot. Okay. And I, I thought that Smith really didn't need to be there either. See, I kind of like Smith being the wild card. Like, you don't know what side he's playing on. He just kind of shows up and just to fuck things up. Like, I kind of dug that. Um... Yeah, Morpheus really just kind of played a role to get just a plot device to get to Neo. And at that point, he just kind of fades to the background and it's just there. So I, I get that. Yeah, that was a little disappointing. Um, I guess just spinning off of that, any characters for you guys that you liked, didn't like, that stuck out to you? Andy? I, mean, I thought Bugs. Oh, yeah. Uh, good, good, good. I thought Bugs was great. I thought you did a really good job of like being our trying to explain what the matrix is if you haven't seen the matrix like very base level and then also like i i think you know the first movies established like what you look like in the matrix is kind of like your ideal form yeah and i like hers it's just my hair's dyed <laughs> she doesn't want to change anything else about her but have hair dye yeah. again which she doesn't know exists because she's in the matrix the whole time <laughs> like she's not a pod kid you know like she doesn't really know about hair dye so I, I like that that, you know, was her takeaway from it. My true self has blue hair, <laughs> just like Makoto in Ghost in the Shell. Oh, there it was. <laughs> I'm glad we got that spoiler um, I... warning out. We don't want to <laughs> ruin speaking that Speaking of, of blue, Neil Patrick Harris looks amazing with blue glasses. I really like and those thought, blue glasses. I'm, I do. I never thought of Neil Patrick Harris as a villain, even in Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, where he also played a villain. <laughs> But I thought he did a really good job of being almost like the new Merovingian as like the upper, higher class guy, but taking it as the rule of the therapist of Neo. So unlike in the original Matrix, the architect didn't care about Neo. He knew he would eventually come to him. He's like, uh, Neil Patrick Harris instead was like, Neo is very important to everything. Yeah. I need to keep a very close eye on him. So I will make him brain damaged and force him to come to me. I did like that. And I think they're they're like therapy conversations i love the way maybe just the dialogue was written in, in nph's delivery and stuff how he spins the therapist card so well that he's mm -hmm. really like as the viewer he's convincing you even too. like okay wait what you're saying makes sense also maybe neo is crazy and this is just how he's dealing with this if, like if we didn't know this was a matrix movie then obviously you'd kind of be like okay maybe he's actually telling the truth but yeah that was a cool cool kind of interaction there 
no, because I thought it was really well, like when um, Agent when Smith was still as the Bobby Kotick of the film. <laughs> is having his mouth sewn shut like Neo did in the original Matrix. Yeah. He spins that as, oh, that's not a failure of the Matrix slipping through to illusion. That's just you having a paranoia, but it's a good kind of paranoia thing as you're spinning it back on other right. people. This is cool. This is very good. And then he flat out asks Neo, do you think you're in a Matrix? <laughs> just to see if he says yes, then he knows he's got to start over. Is, is the Matrix in the room with us right now? <laughs> and like, Show I really me wanted on the to see if... where the Matrix is. <laughs> where the Matrix is. Because <laughs> the one thing I am curious about is Neo says, oh, I was never texted. I'm like, he was though. So I kind of just want to know if that was on his phone still. Yeah, because he never actually looks at his phone, right? Unless he looked beforehand mm-hmm. and we just never see it on screen. No, he says he deleted it. But then he later says, I never got a text. So he might have deleted it and now believes he never did. Right. Because that's also Neil Patrick Harris also playing in on the crazy person by feeding into their delusions and spinning it to his own web. Which I think you see in other like films like this too. Not like this, but I think you've seen that in other films that have a main character that's not mentally well. Yeah. Uh, Was anyone else sort of surprised with the MPH reveal that he's the sort of the big bad? Like, I, I think I got the sense that he was somewhere in the system, like, part of the yeah, Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think he was going to be, like, the top guy. Uh, well, I, yeah, I, I guess I assumed it was going to be Smith again was going to be our guy. Yeah. You know, when he's back, it's like, oh, well, yeah. Which which I didn't initially like, but then when I kind of understood, like, oh, this is a different incarnation of him like well with what they're giving us that could kind of make sense because the motivations here look a little bit different like yeah if it had just been hugo weaving back again then it would have been strange that's one of the things that didn't make sense to me um they explain how neo and trinity came back because we know they both died in the third movie but agent smith also got obliterated how is any iteration of him around Oh, well, that's explained, um, uh, not Neo, but the analyst, Neil Patrick Harris, recreated him in Neo's thing, the, like, keep, because keeping that familiar sense there, and then eventually over time, when, you know, he saw the gun and there's the fight out with Morpheus, he reawoke and became Smith again. Okay, did they actually, like, say that at some point? Like, did, uh... Well, he said Neo freed him twice now. He said that to Neo during their fight scene with the Merovingian. He says, Neo, you've freed me. You've woken me up twice now. Referencing the first movie where he kills Smith. Right. And then this time when he wakes up again during the sequence. Did NPH say that he created Smith again? Did I miss that slurp? No, it's just I'm going, I'm implying, I'm inferring that from him creating the Matrix. That he created all of the characters in the Matrix. Because I think what he explained, what the architect NPH explains is that he created the Matrix since it's based on Trinity and Neo familiar things to neo smith is a very familiar thing to neo obviously something i think in the first couple movies that tried to keep neo in check which i think is why he is his boss in this movie Mm -hmm. and it would also be like because mph says like he the best way to draw energy from people is to make them upset and fearful so give him this guy that neo has been trying to fight for three yeah his nemesis yeah make him his boss if the Joker was Batman's boss, which I'm sure was done in a comic by now. <laughs> if not, you better write that right now. Technically, Batman White Knight kind of did it. Oh, uh, fair. He becomes, um, he takes Harvey Dent's job. 
Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, Josh, any characters or anything that stood out to you that you... Or I guess, well, I guess we're still sort of spinning on the NPH reveal. Did you talk talk about that one? Um, I guess just a little bit. Yeah, it when it happened finally, I was like, oh, okay. I think I was, I was, I was with you. It, it seemed like they were definitely like you don't have him there for it to not mean something, right? Uh, but I, yeah, I figured he would be like some kind of mid level player that you know is used to turn the 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 plot in like the the third act to like the sharp point yeah uh toward the end goal of your main antagonist but i didn't expect it to be him but i uh, thought he played it off well i kind of like the presentation of like i i liked this uh portrayal of a sentient program within the matrix better than the architect in reloaded yeah yeah i think he did a good job i liked nph in this i I like the more like uh like dialogue heavy confrontations between them i think Mm -hmm. those were cool Mm -hmm. yeah and that's something that definitely switches up from the prior chapters and not that there's not action sequences and some are like hand-to-hand and whatnot there's just it doesn't rely as much like especially the the second two films two and three it doesn't rely as much on big long overblown punchy punchy so the uh the internet actually gave this one to me i didn't catch it after two watches but uh did any of you guys realize that trinity and neo neo do not fire a gun in this movie neither one i don't know Hmm. if it occurred to me as i was watching but uh, okay i knew that going into the second watch because you told me (laughs) yeah like it's a in it, it's a definitely a different, like, fighting style, I almost feel like, for Neo, too. Like, he's a lot more, I think, when Ian and I were sort of talking about this off, you know, before we recorded, but he's much more passive and defensive in his fighting and not really going after people like he should. Or at least, like, well, maybe also, like we're used to. He's also relying on that power more. Yeah. Uh, that is now evolved into a force field <laughs> generating shields. thing, and he's <laughs> actively using that a lot more instead of kung fu fighting or judo or any of the other things they loaded in his brain yeah Yeah, he's actively trying to use the one power because um he might be the one he's still not sure (laughs) which i love that little bit when he's like when they're finally they keep asking about flying and when they get to like the swarm thing and all the guys are coming after him and he tries to fly and he just leaps in the air and goes nowhere that (laughs) little bit made me laugh pretty hard i laughed uh, just a little bit little snigger in that same like what a warehouse fight where the crazy homeless frenchman shows up again <laughs> and uh at the end of it he says like kind of to like one of the people he beat up but more to himself he's like i still know kung fu <laughs> <laughs> um any other characters i guess stick out for you guys um i know andy was talking about how morpheus was kind of a letdown anybody else feel that way i i think he did his purpose for the film which was just to redo the sequence of neomedic morpheus I mean, he literally says that in the bathroom that that's like kind of the whole reason he's right. there, and it is kind of a weird sequence because he's like, "Touch me, I'm real," but they're in the matrix, so he's not real. <laughs> you know, it's like this weird meta, like they like, no, he's not real, but he's like physically in front of you. It's this, it's a real mind trippy when you try and like break down the layers <laughs> of it. I think. I mean, he did a really good job of wearing kickass outfits and suits. I agree. Yeah, like really well. And I think he did start to fade to the background, but I think Morpheus kind of did that in the original trilogy some, 
where the focus became more on other characters throughout the film with them going back to Morpheus more for guidance or something right. like more of a Yoda role. Yeah. And I, I think that's what this film tried to do. Like it's important, real important early on and then slowly fading and helping out more in the background and not as part of the main action sequences. And to something that, you know, has been talked about earlier uh, that like this movie may not have created a new bullet time or a new major like wow advancement i did appreciate the idea um of the uh manifestation of the matrix programs in the real world with like sort of that like 3d nanotechnology body form kind of thing i thought it was at least interesting and creative I mean, I think the, the the story sets up lore there, and that's the kind of stuff I, I think I wanted to know more of, is, like, they talk about this civil war between the machines and how some of the AI is starting to become friendly with humans and they're they're cooperating and working together. They touch on that, but I don't think we see that to the extent that I wanted to. I think that's the kind of stuff I wanted to know more about and see how that has affected the world going forward and what the plan is after that like are the humans and machines going to team up and take out the bad machines like that's I, I i don't know how that i guess what's going on in the world like we get a lot of the matrixy stuff but now i'm starting to and that granted that's the cool stuff but i'm just from a story standpoint i wanted to know i think more what's going on on the outside of the matrix in the world now that we're actually seeing some change since the trilogy um, i was uh surprised that uh, well, surprised and then slash a little disappointed that Christina Ricci showed up for about 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Almost kind of like, like a blink and you miss a cameo. Like, was it her? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know she was involved. And this is this is going to be great. Christina Ricci in a Matrix movie? Nope. <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> um, anybody else in the cast you guys want to talk about? I actually enjoyed the recasting of Agent Smith. Like, it's it's not Hugo Weaving. He's not saying Mr. Anderson all as much as I really at all. Um, but at one time, yeah, he did say it once, um, very aggressively and screams it. <laughs> uh, but I didn't think the guy did a. I can't remember his name now. I gotta look him up. Um, Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff. Yes. Uh, he. I thought he did a very good job. I liked what he did with Agent Smith. Yeah, I, I. I think he played the role well. I, you know, it added like you said that chaotic element, and I think he played into what Smith kind of became where. He's really trying to look out for himself, and he knows he's different from everything else. He's his own thing now. Yeah. I think it did that well in his, you know, final line of, um, you could have been anyone, whereas I'm everyone, and then he just gone. Yeah, yeah. But it also plays into why he looks different, which I really like that they tied that back in. That's why he looks different, because he could be anyone, right. anywhere. Yeah. So, can someone explain to me what happens to him there at the end I, I don't there's some dots i didn't connect so i took it as is like in the original trilogy he would take over people's bodies and also the agents would just pop in right. he just popped out and went somewhere okay so he wasn't being taken over he left where he was yeah he gave up that body got it okay i was going the other way and i'm like wait did somebody like did the analyst or did the matrix did something kill smith now like that's mm -hmm. what i was thought they were trying to convey okay um I, it's also weird because it's almost sounded like a fart noise when it happened. <laughs> that much i didn't was, hear okay was it was it like, like a such, like one of those it was like a, <laughs> like a plop. 
I'm surprised you didn't catch that in the theater with that Dolby <laughs> Atmos fart Yeah, noise. I definitely did not. <laughs> like, both times that I watched it, I was like, that's a weird noise for this. Because <laughs> it's not the aggressive, like, you know, stretching rubbery noise in the original trilogy when they take over a body. Right. It's much more lighter, funny noise, you know? <laughs> Almost like he's like, fuck you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> I make my own sound effects now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, someone mentioned uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's, uh, I guess, like makeup and aging mm-hmm. before. Um, at the very least, I would say, and I actually did say this to Sarah as we were watching it, that um, I was actually impressed and really enjoyed her acting, actually. And uh, maybe it's just me on this. I don't know. I've never seen her in anything like the other two movies included where I've personally ever been wowed in any way by her as, as an actress, um, not to say she's bad per se. It's just never like she, her, and anything she's ever been in for me, any other actress could have done those roles. Um, so, but I don't know me personally, there, there's something about this performance that I actually really liked. Yeah. I think she did good. I don't know if there was anything that like, not that it really stands out to me. Like that was a great performance, but I think, I mean, she was fine. Yeah. Good, thought, yeah, good. I thought she did a good job of, like, aging her voice. Yeah, I'll and, give you that, and, yeah. And her, like, meter when she was speaking. I, I, was, I was surprised that, like, of all of the uh, hierarchy and governance and just the, the, the whole rolling class, if you will, of, of Zion in the past that really they boiled it down to, like, all right, we're going to put this all in one character you know, we're not going to overbloat the story in the movie with councils and other things. Like, apparently, like, she's the one. She's in charge. Yeah. And I, I, that was probably a good I- idea just to streamline things. Uh, but I think she carried that very well. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with Brian, though, uh, when, like, I want to know more about, like, what actually happened to the first city and what's what's going on in IO. And they made mention of the humans finding the robots in their own like machine war thing. I wanted to know more about that. And they just, they just like let you glazed over it. And I was like, ah, no, I want more of that. <laughs> yeah. It almost feels like the, like this matrix movie is a little bit of a side story to what is going on in that world. Like we're more concerned about what this little group of people is doing inside and outside the matrix. But, if the machines are fighting themselves and there's this big war going on between them, like how is that going to shape the world? And what's that going to mean for the matrix going forward? Like that's some other stuff I kind of want to see. And maybe that's stuff they had planned for a sequel, but I don't, at this rate, I don't know if we're going to see a sequel. So a lot of that stuff well, just feels Lana untouched. Didn't plan on Lana said they did not plan on another trilogy. I mean, they're going to make another matrix at some point. You don't let IP rest yeah, in modern Hollywood, yeah. which is kind of what this film's also about. <laughs> But, I mean, they'll eventually make another one. But I, I think it was on purpose. Like, they purposely were like, okay, here's a little hint about the world. But it doesn't matter because that's not what this story is about. Right. You know, the story is about this moment in place and time. I'd love if the next one was happening concurrent to this about all that other stuff. I'd oh, yeah. like to okay. see that. Yeah. Like, you can definitely go back in time in a way. And, yeah, it's like, tell me everything that's happening at the same time as all this other shit that we just saw. With this entirely different group of people. Uh, So this question is either going to be, I guess, more focused to to Ian and Brian because 
you've you've both watched twice. Uh, I'm sorry, Andy, did you watch Resurrections twice? I did not. You okay? So me and you were one there too. Um, so did uh, really? I guess did it, did anybody find themselves caring about anybody else on Bugs's team? No, no. And the thing about that too is, I I feel like they left some hooks out that could have gotten me to care. Uh, specifically the one character who said that he was like a neoite or or neo. He was like that neologist. Neologist. Or, yeah, <laughs> neologist. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I couldn't think of it. Um, he's like, I have so many questions for you. I really want to pick your mind, and then you never see him again. <laughs> Right. No, he shows up. He's there in the Merovingian scene. He's the one that says, oh, it's Smith and Neil again. There's so many theories about them. And he oh, also says, right. oh, they're going to get us killed. Yeah, we're all going to yeah, die. Yeah, but that's, that's literally all you see I about mean, him. It was, it was dumb. Um, <laughs> I, I, wanna, I, but I, think to... I feel the same way about the original crew. I didn't care about any of them either. There was three people in that film that mattered. Throughout. Well, I, I was actually going to ask that like through, through that lens. And like, yeah, maybe because I've had like 20 years to watch that other movie if I wanted to. But I feel like like the first Matrix, I did not watch for at least 15 years before I saw it again in theaters, say, three years ago. I forgot just about everything about it and probably didn't understand more than 2% of it till that point. But rewatching it, I actually did find myself like, okay, well, here's the crew. These are the people here. He betrays him. Um, he kills them when they're, you know, in the Matrix and they fall asleep and they blah, blah, blah. He kills his brother. Um, Joey Pants is an asshole. Like all those <laughs> things happen like I, I i did feel more of an effect to what happened to them than this crew at all and it was kind of the same thing with like any of the other crew members in reloaded or revolutions i just found myself i, I don't know if it's like the screen time that they gave people it's like they they put bodies where they thought they needed bodies and that was it like like the one lady on the team that has like the weird haircut mm -hmm. like she's there just to get neo to say i believe in trinity like that's her role in the film. That one guy's there, you know, um, Funkleton, I think is his name, the one Andy mentioned. Like, he's just there to fill up space and be there to, like, say some dialogue they have written. No one else on that team's that important. And I think, again, that's another choice they made. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's... I think they went in knowing, like, it's it's the Matrix sequel. No, you just care about three characters. You just gotta look cool when you're inside the Matrix. That's the deal. Yeah. I think the only other one that you get a good sampling size of is maybe the operator because he's in all of the mm -hmm. matrices like sort of showing them you know this is where the hack is you need to go here like this is the way out and watch on your left and stuff like that so you and get i liked a, how they point. how they did that in the movie where it wasn't just a voice in someone's ear where he was there with them and you could see him mm -hmm. popping up at different points to direct them and talk yeah, to them that was that, cool that was Agreed. a cool difference um as far as the story, like Josh, you sort of talked about how you feel like the movie starts in the same place it ends. Mm -hmm. So I guess just from everybody, sort of what do you think happened in the story and were you able to follow it? Are you asking me to tell you the plot of the movie? <laughs> A little bit. You don't yeah. know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm I like I didn't really think about it at the time, but I think Josh is right. I think they they the Matrix is still standing. You just have someone else in charge of it. That's the only thing that changed. And I, I, yeah, I, is, is there more to it than that? Like in the end, is that it? Because the end, like to me, the last closing minutes, they both get reawakened. They both show up and they walk back in in their cool 
outfits kind of given the yeah we're going to be a threat to you vibes but that's it like it literally feels like it's it stopped at the exact same setup that the first movie because maybe remind me too in revolutions are they trying to stop the matrix like they're trying to free everybody from the matrix they're trying to end the war they're not trying to end the Matrix. They're trying to stop the war. So everybody's war still fine with machines. humans being batteries for the rest of their life. Like that's. But the machines agree to let them go if they want to leave. If they take the red pill, they won't actively hunt you down. They'll let people take the red pill now. That was the. That's the piece. That was. And then there's yeah. also. And they also mentioned that that movie mattered. Neo's piece mattered. They show us that. They they go out of their way to tell us your choices matter. Okay. What happened in those movies mattered like they do that and i think to josh's point with this one he said yeah just someone else is in charge of the matrix but fundamentally everything has changed because humans are in charge of the matrix and that is vastly different than machines being in charge where the only point of the matrix is to generate energy now humans are in charge of it and they have i don't think the human goal is to provide the most energy to the robots that have been enslaving us for hundreds of years like, I think they'll have wildly different goals and designs for the Matrix. And I think that's a way bigger deal than just someone else being in charge. Okay. I think it still just raised a lot of questions for me, just trying to figure out, like, what... Like, even to your point, like, if humans are in charge of the Matrix, then what does that make the Matrix? Like, is it still just to let humans be in their pods and be batteries and just... No, it's you would, it's the giving them, like, creating the world where now, like, unlike NPH's system, where he just wanted to make you feel bad constantly because that generated the most power, it's about waking people up. Like, Trinity even says that with the rainbows. Remembering what a free mind can do. They're gonna use the Matrix to try and wake up the people in the pod. So to try and free people from it. Or... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just, I, like, I almost get the sense, like, hey, we're just gonna make the Matrix happier for people that are in it. I like, I never really a... got the sense they're trying to free people, I guess. But that that's kind of what they do. I mean, that's the kind of goal they always had, and that's what they talk, you know, the what a free mind can do. They're not going to just, everyone wake up. It's about easing people into realizing what they're in. It's realizing, I'm watching Netflix, you know? <laughs> it's getting that mindset, you know, like, oh, yeah, this is just, um, what the fuck's that Netflix show that's like this? Black Box or whatever. No, Black, uh, Black Mirror. Mirror. Yeah, you know, just realizing, oh, I'm just been in Black Mirror this whole my life. <laughs> it's about easing people into it. I think that's kind of what the feel of that is gonna be. Okay. If they're gonna make a new world, or it's just gonna be John Wick Five, <laughs> which I, I'm waiting for that too. I guess uh, that's fair. That that helps me under if I if I put it through that lens, that helps me understand a bit more because Brian, I think I kind of went into it with your same confusion in that I think. Up until like the end or midway through revolutions, you're led to believe that the freed people in Zion are trying to end the war. But in their eyes, I always took it as they're ending the war by defeating the machines and thus as a side effect, freeing everybody. Right. When Neo comes to realize that that's not possible right now, he then makes the a, a, a deal with them. In a way that, like, like Ian just said, you leave us alone. If people decide to leave, you let them leave. We're not going to try to defeat because that's like it's a. They're just recognizing that it has 
they both have to coexist because neither of them are going to defeat the other. Okay. Yeah, and that's what this movie goes into. Like, that's that's what Jada Pinkett Smith's character says mm-hmm. about coexisting. Zion was built on war. It couldn't function as a society when there was no war. That's why it ended up not blasting. Well, her society is built on this mutual understanding and coexisting with the machines. Like, we tried to do, which we never tried to do really in the beginning. Like, that's a plot point in the Animatrix is how we treated machines from the very beginning and gave the whole first part of the Animatrix is the rise of the machines. Okay. It's basically the first Star Wars film. <laughs> uh, Andy, what do you think about the story plot? All this, all this makes sense to you? You follow along? Uh, the story plot mostly made sense to me. I find I found myself really liking the first act. And then after the first act, I really started to not care so much what <laughs> really happened in like the second and third acts. I don't know. It just... It, it, I thought it was really sharp and funny and engaging in the first act. Like I thought the writing was really pretty good for that aspect of it. But then it seemed like as soon as Neo was free and that hook sort of ended, it it just like I, the, the heart of the movie I felt like left. It was like fleeting. Like I, again, think this is a deliberate choice for that early part of the movie is playing really into that meta aspect of the Matrix and like, what are we doing here? You know, that whole sequence of the, you know, when Neo's on the treadmill of the pitching ideas for the game is great. That's might be one of the best sequences in the movie and it's just characters delivering dialogue and it's great. And, you know, the lady that works in marketing is like the two best things about the Matrix, originality and freshness. And here we are watching Matrix. Yeah. You know, with Keanu Reeves looking like John Wick, who's been in his own trilogy <laughs> at this point. And, you know, it's attacking those ideas. And then literally once Neo wakes up, that's gone. We're done with the meta-ness almost. And we're now back almost into a more traditional Matrix movie. I think that's a deliberate choice that they stop doing as much as the meta commentary when Neo takes the red pill again and decides, oh, that's fake. And that's what the audience wanted me doing these weird shit. Now I'm giving you the actual film. Here's Matrix 4. Yeah. I think that's a very deliberate thing they're doing where they're trying to say, okay, here's Matrix 4 now. You guys wanted it. You won't shop about it. Here it is. <laughs> hope you like it. Deal with it. It's not meta and witty. It's the gruesome reality of here's what's we got I got left for ideas, you know, <laughs> to eat it uh, or not. That, that's what it felt like, too. It just it, like the second and third act, third acts to me felt more dialed in than not dialed in. Um, phoned in i guess it's it's difficult for me to even just start now granted i probably haven't seen the movie for a couple weeks now so i'm a couple weeks removed from watching it um but like i start to try to think back and i'm starting to rack my brain to try to think of either set pieces or scenes that really stick with me which i don't know if is a great move for a movie like you know, I remember a lot of the dialogue and stuff from the first act, which is all the meta stuff I thought was really cool. Like, literally name-dropping Warner Brothers saying they want a sequel to The Matrix in the movie. Like, that was just fun, and I liked that whole thing. And also the actual conversation that Warner Brothers had with the Wachowskis, probably. Yeah, probably. They just translated it word for word. Um, Like, there's, I get little bits, but like, the, there's not like an action set piece that really is like, okay, that's Matrix. That stands out for me. That's cool. Like, I'm, I'm still kind of... I don't know. It's it's. I mean, if it's anything, it's them flying, finally. See, even that, like, it doesn't stick. Like, I remember a little bit of the motorcycle sequence when they're on the bike getting swarmed with people. Like, that was okay. I feel like that should have been a bigger thing than it was, or at least 
stuck with me more than it did. Well, that's just, I don't think that was a very good chase sequence in general. Like, they obviously did a better one in the second right. movie. And there's been better, you know, I've seen chase sequences in the last five years better than the Resurrections had. I think, for me, the dialogue stands out for a reason, because it was really good in that beginning. And I think that's a strength of the film. And I think it's okay for the dialogue to be the standout point and for that, like, that's a good moment. It wasn't a visually thing. It was just really well written and acted well because, you know, those lines could fail if they're not performed well. And I, I think that's okay. And I think for me, the, what stands out the most is just the HR greagerness of the machine stuff. Again, <laughs> it's just so scorn, you know, it's just so brutal and ugly and phallic and disgusting what the machines are now. And I, I that sticks out to me, but that, it also could just be a blend together of all the times we've ever seen those, which I think this movie kind of also is. It's the blending together of all the Matrixes into a film. Yeah. You literally have the beginning that's just a retread of the beginning of the Matrix. And then, like, Neo's job is to make the Matrix. Yeah. That's his job in the Matrix, is to make the Matrix. While he's plugged in and actually running the Matrix, which he is unaware of, yeah. And he's powering the Matrix. Right. It's, it's just layers and layers, like a seven-layer dip. Well, you and I talked about off off recording that like it's it's kind of funny to us who play video games that like everyone refers to like in at least in the movie like oh I played your game the game is literally just scenes from the movies like it doesn't feel like That's a game it's part. just like cutscenes. because there's the specific point where they establish that that's what the game looks like is when the Neo's finally going to take the red pill and they're back in that auditorium where he met um Morpheus and. They're like, so, you know, we thought to, like, bring the moment to you, we'd put your game back here. And it's literally just the film. <laughs> like, the first film, like, actually the film. And the video games never looked like that. You have to wonder if people that don't play video games are watching that and be like, that's what games look like now? Holy shit. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> it's just like a TV show. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I only have a few other questions, but I think most of my stuff that I have is just pretty much how to wrap up. So is there anything else you guys want to touch on for the movie? Anything else sticking I, out to you? think like theme wise this movie did a lot of things really cool like i really like i mentioned it like how sharp mph look in those blue glasses which i think kind of represent the blue pill that's why they're blue oh, yeah and they're glasses because they're the lens you look through the world by taking the blue pill you just see through the narrow lens mph wants you to see through. i mean really i think and the I whole time was... he's trying to keep neo under his foot he's got blue on mm -hmm. him at some point or another yeah which is great and i think that was a and I guess that, you know, you mentioned, like, you didn't notice that uh, MPH was going to be this big video. I didn't either. And I think, oh, that should have been a hint to me, the, the blue. I should have been like, oh, those aren't just wicked cool glasses. <laughs> They're thematically important. And I, I think, like, the ending credit scene is just, like, kind of what this whole movie is about. Is, like, hey, you want another Matrix? Here it fucking is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. You know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, you got it. It was this or Catrix. <laughs> it's one or the other. And this is what they gave us. And I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Like I said, I think they made a lot of deliberate choices to try and make a sequel that's not a sequel or a reboot or something that Hollywood would normally give us. And the uh, Lana just was like, fuck it. Uh, they're never going to let me make another original movie again at Warner. <laughs> so here, let's see if they'll ever make another Matrix after I do this fuck mine job. Yeah. I think my, my only hang up on it uh, even after this discussion is the way that they've positioned the world and the characters and the conflict it's it still seems to me like the movie left off with the exact same beat as the end of the first original movie yep meaning yeah, that I if agree i that. Yeah. Like if i if i 
try to extrapolate what I think they're telling me the next step in the story is, the next step in the story, I've already seen. I know exactly what the supposed setup conflict or motivation or blah 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 is um so up until again like maybe that last 10 minutes like i can compartmentalize the rest of the movie in the way that you guys are talking about um but that last like where they're leaving off and, and supposedly telling me what comes after this which is partially the you know most important part of almost any story is what happens after the end that you don't see um I'm still kind of hung up there. Um, yeah, I, I think that plays into two things that happened in the original trilogy. One, it's um the final confrontation with Agent Smith, where he thinks he has Neo pinned against the wall and is finally over. And he's like, "I'm supposed to deliver a line," and he says, "What begins ends. What started ends." And that was the original trilogy. It started at end, and then Smith again says in this film, "You know, stories never really end. We just keep telling them." And I think that's what that ending is. Yeah, we're back here again, and if they want to, someone's going to tell the story again because this is any money-making IP, maybe. <laughs> um, but this is an IP that Warner Brothers is going to put out again. So yeah, we just put it back where it was, and someone's going to write the next thing. And we just set that up for them. If they want to make metrics 5 and 6, good on them, but we're not going to do it because we already did it. And that's why we reset back to there, I think. For me, that's how I'm taking it. Art that was the direction they wanted. I mean, that's me. I think inferring and reading into a lot of tea leaves and stuff, and trying to make sense of a movie that I don't know if it wanted to be made. <laughs> so kind of just tee it up honest. for the next guy, whether it's the Wachowskis or not. Like where we leave off this movie. I mean, they only they were only able to get one of them. Right. Well, right. Well, the other one was listed as an executive producer, right? I think I think Lena was the only Wachowski listed. I could have sworn I saw the other one listed. Maybe I missed it. Though. I mean, I they had it as based on the characters created by. Oh, okay. But I don't Maybe know that if was... they had the EP role. But I know Maybe a regular I producer. Can't... I could have sworn they there was Maybe. another Wachowski name other than Lana. Yes, there was. Uh, but it wasn't. Karen. Yeah, it w- it wasn't the sister who was the, the other the creator brother. of the originals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Lily and Lana, right? Aren't there the yeah, aren't yes. the two? Lily specifically said she didn't want to do something she already did, so that's why she had no involvement in this movie. Uh. Yeah, it looks like Karen Wachowski is listed as executive producer. Is that is there any relation, or just like happened to be? I mean, there has to be right. <laughs> this is the only credit of any kind that Karen has is an executive producer on this specific. Yeah, movie. I just looked at that too. Um. I know Ian and I talked before recording too about uh like maybe the ambigu- ambiguity about like who is the one or if Neo is the one because Trinity definitely flies here which she couldn't do before. So does that give her one powers? Like where do we fall on that sort of thing? I, in my opinion it's it's they are the one like they're I feel Together. like Yeah, I feel like they are almost um yin and yang i guess that like they create that full circle like they need to their stories are so interconnected and interweaved that i think they they are the one you know they which i think yeah definitely sets up what the movie was was or or, you know fulfills what the movie was setting up like every time they touch or whatever it like blows everything away and they're the two sustaining the matrix so that makes sense to me too 
Yeah, which was which was very um uh Hitchcocky to me. Okay, yeah, yeah. The with the Will Smith movie. Uh, I thought you meant Alfred. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah I like, thought that too. But this, you're thinking, yeah, okay, this, yeah, the superhero movie superhero with Will Smith. Movie. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they they anytime he and Charlize Theron got together, it was like they got less powerful. Yeah, I, I think. Except opposite. Right. I think there's multiple ways to think about it. I think originally my always thought process with the one is there's no the one. It's just that human ingenuity overcoming our circumstances to break through to the next level. That's what Neo's the one abilities were or him just being able to read the matrix. Like Smith said, anyone could have been you. Anyone could have been the one. It was just that human that elevated to that level. You know, like Alex, like an Alexander the Great type person, someone that rose to the occasion to lead us. And I think with this movie, there's two ways to look at it now if through my lens. It's either Love Conquers All, <laughs> there's two, or it's kind of maybe a commentary on the Wachowski's own transition of now it's a woman is the one kind of thing. I thought that's I where they were there's going. There's aspects yeah. to explore okay. there with that. I didn't catch that. I know, nice. I know Lana has mentioned that she's excited. People are now looking back at the the original trilogy through the lens of their transitioning. Because there was rumors about it during the third movie's release date that at least Lana was like have you know a different gender identity than she originally presented as. So they said like they really like the people are coming through it, and it talks about how art doesn't end once you make it; it's living, and your interpretation of it changes over time. So I, I think it's something that I don't know if I can answer now. Like, is this more of a love conquers all? Is it the is it the idea of them transitioning and them almost coming out? Like, yes. You know, because the, they've been out for a long time now, mm-hmm. but like this is maybe their, this is the their movie that made them. Yeah. You know what they almost are, and you know aided them, and I, I think maybe helped with that. And I, I think it's really cool. I guess I'm getting lost in thought here now, but I guess <laughs> what I want to say is I think this is one where I'm gonna be, every time I watch it, I think it's gonna the different ideas, and especially if I want to specifically watch it through that lens. I think this is one where I'll know more about the one five ten years later when it you know kind of sets in and we're in a new media thing because i think with the matrix is you kind of forget like the major plot point in the first one is uh phone booths <laughs> yes and that movie still seems super futuristic <laughs> and i ain't seen a phone booth i think since the matrix came out <laughs> yeah i think uh i think my first viewing i kind of just spun it like oh, okay so neo isn't the one trinity's the one but then second viewing, I think I fell more in line sort of what Andy was talking about, where it's like not just one person, it's both of them getting there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I kind of I, I like your explanation too, Ian, where you just sort of like, in a sense, just figure out how the Matrix works and suddenly that gives you the power to control it. So it could well, be think, anybody. I think part of it is that belief thing. Like in the original trilogy, it was um, Trinity believing in Neo, believing in he was the one. Yeah. And then later in this movie, Neo not explicitly saying, I believe she's the one, but he believes in her. It's almost like, I believe in the you that believes in me. That's the one that gives me power to rise up. And I think that might be part of it, too. It's, like I said, I think a really interesting twist, not twist, wrinkle, however you want to say it, that they threw in here that I think will add into future rewatches for me of this Huey Lewis was right all along. It is the power of love. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Josh, you got anything else to add? Anything uh, else we didn't talk about? No, nothing worthwhile. Uh, Andy? 
I really enjoyed the uh, Brass Against cover of uh, the Rage Against the Machine song at the end. Oh, uh, yeah, that yeah. Was really, really good. I did notice that it was like, I was like, wait a minute, this sounds like the song they ended the first Matrix movie with. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not Rage Against the Machine. I've, yeah, I forgot about the cover. Yes, yes, yes. And I think it's, it's a, what, an acoustic instrument, Rage Against the Machine cover band? Oh, is it? I don't know that much about the, that band. The, the band is called Brass Against, and I'm pretty sure like that's what their or their hook was. Was you know? Like, they play brass instruments and cover rage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the, <laughs> the thing. yeah. And for, very on the nose. <laughs> Jess and I actually at first were like, "Oh my god, is this um, God? What the hell was the name of her band? Methods of Mayhem." Methods of Mayhem. What, uh, Mom. Jada Pinkett Smith's metal band. Oh, Methods God, of Mayhem a... was Tommy Lee and some people. Yeah. Okay. What, what what was the hell was her her metal band's name? I didn't her... know she was in a metal band. Yeah, we saw her at Ozfest. <laughs> she was awful. It's a random thing. Wicked <laughs> Wisdom. Yes, there it is. I knew... It was a new metal band, like Limp Bizkit. Yeah. No way. They were yeah. awful. <laughs> Dude, we we were so lit, like we got drunk as hell in the parking lot, and they were like one of the first bands on the side stage. <laughs> And Janet Pinkett Smith is walking through the crowd after the crowd pretty much booed them off the stage. And <laughs> and Rhodes was there with us and he goes, Hey Niobe and she <laughs> she shot him a look. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a fun story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were on a Britney Spears tour as the, like the opening show. Oh god. In two thousand four. Yeah, I'm looking it up oh right now. Oh my god. I'm gonna have to The year after is when they did Ozfest. I gotta Spotify this group that, when we're done. That uh, uh good luck. I'm just I, curious now. I would like... have loved to have been a fly on the wall or like if I have a time machine, I'm adding that to the list of things I wanna go back and watch. <laughs> of that uh, specifically of that kind of band and music opening for Britney Spears in two thousand four <laughs> with the type of crowd that a Britney Spears fan is. There's a picture, like not a great one, from them like performing, and Jada Pinkett Smith is ripped. <laughs> I think I, I think I'm counting like twelve abs. She is a very fit girl, yes. Uh, Ian, you got anything else to add? Oh, I did before I got into this old ad business. <laughs> um, oh, I had oh, yeah. So, like, I've been saying a lot of different, I think, theories. I think this movie kind of leads to that. I think there's a lot of cool visual themes and elements. And I, I think the Matrix has always been like that, you know, like the original trilogy was kind of about control and choice, but the overarching theme was there is no choice. The choice is an illusion you've already chosen. That pre-Destiny, they talk about it in this film, is everything predetermined is a choice, but I think at the end of the day, the Matrix is about people in trench coats shooting guns and doing kung fu. And <laughs> Which this movie... That's what we all wanted. And this, Didn't have! No, it, it, exactly! It did not do a good job of that. I thought that's exactly what makes it a great sequel. It said, fuck you. (laughs) I thought the action part of this movie was the, the, I feel like when the the action sequences started to happen, which was what act two, Mm -hmm. that's when I really sort of got off the bandwagon on this is I was on board for act one. Like I really liked that whole aspect of it. And then like, it just really underperformed like the action sequences. And I, maybe that's because they set the bar so high with the other ones. I think yeah. I think that's part of it, and I think another thing is is like this movie's three acts are also the three different Matrix movies they could have made as the sequel. <laughs> they didn't make one; they just were like here's all three sliced into one movie, kind of weird thing. Okay, gotcha. So almost like the Star Wars did. So maybe it's just a meta commentary <laughs> about how the newest Star Wars trilogy sucks. Oh god, eat it, Disney. 
if that's the point, if that's the point they're trying to make, this movie already lost a couple points on my book. Like I'm, <laughs> I got to degrade it a little bit for that. I mean, unlike Star Wars, you know, Anakin sacrifice meant shit. Now <laughs> he didn't need to die. This one, Neo made. He had to do it. That sacrifice had real consequences that weren't thrown out for a ninth hour plot change in the ninth fucking film. Yeah, well, that I'll agree with. Oh, so spoilers for Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Star Wars. <laughs> um, some, of, yeah, I think the fight scenes were definitely lacking for me. I think, I think that's where a lot of my hangup is. And I think what I mean when they do them, I like that the, they revisit like the same sound effects, like just the the punching and 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 kung fu type sound effects that they use are often the same trilogy the earlier trilogy and all that that stuff just brings back memories for me just hearing those specific sounds because i think it's so matrix like i don't i don't know of any other movies that sound like that when people fight but like, like the, the impacts in the fights and stuff the third act is kung basically neo running around spamming force push yes yeah like i can do that i did that in um force unleashed <laughs> run around spamming force push and then that's just R2, 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 R2. I can do that shit. <laughs> I think I saw something on like Instagram or Twitter where it's like some dude, like, it was one of those reels that you see and somebody was putting up like, you know, Neo in the Matrix trilogy and he's like hitting this body bag, like doing all this cool kung fu stuff. And then he goes like, Neo in Matrix Resurrections and it's just like him pushing, like, uh, uh, like pushing, <laughs> not even hitting the bag, just, uh, like it, it was like, it's, it's, it looks so lame when you put it back to back like that, but it's, it's true. I don't know. Like, I, I know they're making a point with, like, Neo being more passive and defensive compared to what the other movies were. But just for, for I guess, coming in... Because part of it, too, is I think we've had three John Wick movies under our belt with Keanu Reeves, and he comes into this looking like John Wick. And you want some Matrix plus John Wick action sequences, and you don't get that. Speaking of, the director of the John Wick movies is in this. Is he? He plays Chad. Which oh, yeah, he plays Chad. Trinity's husband. In the yeah. Matrix. Oh, nice. And, okay. and he was Keanu's stunt double in the original Matrix. Okay, so wait, wait was it Stahelski or the other yeah. guy? Stahelski. Okay. It's like, I've heard the names. I don't think I've ever put the faces to the names, so that's good to know. So, yeah, more meta shit. <laughs> so Speaking of Facebook, you can find. <laughs> just so everyone is, is aware, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's band is mentioned in her IMDb trivia, uh, and it also mentions specifically that they performed on David Letterman once, and I might have already Googled it and found the YouTube link. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, we'll compare notes after the show. <laughs> That's going in the comments on social media. <laughs> um, All right, so I'll just sort of wrap up, I guess, with uh, more or less one, do you think we'll see a sequel, and would you like to see a sequel? What was the questions? <laughs> Do you think we'll see a sequel, and would you like to see a sequel? Oh, hell fucking yeah, we are at some point. It's <laughs> not letting this shit die. This is Warrior fucking Brothers, brother. We made the Justice League twice. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to happen. I don't know when. I don't think the Wachowskis will be involved, but it's going to come out. Do I want to see one? If the Wachowskis aren't involved, why would I? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Andy, what do you think? Do you want to see a sequel? you think we'll actually greenlight a sequel? I think they could do a sequel, and I, I kind of hope it's not a movie. I, I sort of hope they go with, like, the Animatrix angle. Maybe um, uh, a series of, like, animated shorts. Yeah. Almost almost like Star Star Wars Visions is, is doing. Oh, or yeah, did, yeah. Or did. Yeah. Uh, something to that effect I think would be really cool. Like, I, I, I don't... I, 
I, I feel like I don't, it's almost like the Skywalker syndrome. I don't want to see anything else with like Neo or Trinity. I want to see some of those off shooting. So give us more Matrix, from... just give us new characters. Yeah, or, or different perspectives or, yeah. or something like, yeah, just maybe get a machine from the, a sentient machine from the machine world trying to make it to IO or something like that. Like something yeah. else. Okay. That yeah, I, yeah. I, that that's like lore heavy that I would like. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Uh, I don't know if I go as exuberantly on the yes as Ian, but it <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. Um, again, like I have no idea where you continue a Neo story into from here that isn't sort of fulfilling that broader like meta commentary that he mentioned like yeah. yes this is the point of the story being told again so like do i want to s- I-, I think if that's where they're going with it if that's what that meant if that like i i, I don't know what could be interesting anymore to continue with them unfortunately like not i, I think there's things a lot about this to like but if this is what they did, where they left off, I don't know if I care to see where it goes for them. So right. yeah, I think some of these like side stories, bigger world building, these you know tangential things, like what what else was happening in the rest of that world that they're talking about while the shit of this was happening, um, possibly that would be of of interest. But so more spinoff, less sequel. Probably. Yeah, I. I it, it, the money that this is making, I doubt we're gonna get a sequel, or at least not anything anytime soon. Just basing it off of box office. If Warner Brothers is looking for a cash cow, I don't think this is it anymore. Um, but I do think probably eventually we will get a sequel, just probably not soon. Uh, I I think I'd much prefer some sort of spinoff too. I think, and you know, we sort of talked about this. I think with with Star Wars, and I know I feel this way about Star Wars right now is that I'm I'm starting to get tired of seeing the same characters appear in every, or, the, you know, the same era of every type of Star Wars thing. Like, Star Wars is so, <laughs> is so expansive and I think covers so much ground that there are there are stories to tell for characters that we haven't seen before, and I think The Matrix is probably something you could do the same thing with. So, yeah, I think I'd, I'd much prefer a spinoff route, but at the same time, I think if they ever make a sequel, I will probably still see it. I think, I think the franchise... It's still fun, and I think, still think it tries to do enough different stuff that I'm going to check it out every time they try to do something with it. But It's just you could do the same things a spinoff does with an original fresh IP. True. Yeah. They won't, but you yeah, could. Yeah, right. I agree. Um, all right, so before we wind with the rating, one other question. Uh, where do you rank this one among the other Matrix movies? So I guess just the four Matrix movies, what's your what's your order? Have you? I, I figured first. you guys all sort of like thought about this beforehand, so I'm hoping <laughs> I'm not springing this on you. It's one, two, four, three. One, two, four. Th- okay. I I would go. I would go one, one, two, Animatrix, three, four. Okay. I Josh? can't. I can't include Animatrix because uh, I never saw it. I I'd, I'd either mimic Ian's, or I I. I, don't know, I might even go one, four, two, three. Re- even rewatching two, somewhat recently, was really like rougher than I thought it was gonna be. Okay. But like a se- a second watch of Resurrections would tell me if this is num- if if this is going in slot two or three. Yeah. See, I see. I could put it in slot two, but unlike Josh, I think um, 
two is a good movie. So <laughs> yeah, so like the the rewatch on two and three really uh, reinvigorated my my like of those movies, and I really thought mm-hmm. I was going to go the opposite way. Like I remember loving number one and being like two and three were like, eh. but now I'm like two and three are like, eh, all right, you know, like I'll watch those again. Yeah, I mean, coming from someone who has not rewatched the original trilogy recently, uh, and this is so basically, basically, sore off of my solely off of like my memory of those movies and what I sort of remember of them. I think I'm in line with Ian and going one, two, four, three. But you know, if I if I end up rewatching two and three sometime recent, like coming up or or soon, I could see something like one is still at the top. You're not gonna. I think change one three, I think is pretty definitively at the bottom for me. It would just be swapping two and four, depending on how those rewatches would go. So I don't know whether we'll ever revisit that list, but as of right now, that's kind of where I'm feeling. Uh, so we'll wrap up with ratings out of 10. Uh, Ian, where do you rate this one out of 10? 6.9. <laughs> Completely agreeing with the, Internet scores. <laughs> nice. It was 63 for a lot of the internet scores. Uh, so it was close. It I was got close. it. Nice. <laughs> uh, Josh, where do you land out of 10 for Matrix Resurrections? Um, right now, I'm just going to kind of go middle of the road, like maybe a six. Okay. Uh, Andy, where do you fall? I'm also going to give it a six, uh, mostly for the first act. I think the first act, I probably would have given it a higher score if they were able to, like, sort of keep that rolling through all the entire movie. But unfortunately, we got two and three, act two and three, and sort of brought it back down to a six. I I thought it had potential to be an eight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually falling right in line with these guys. I'm also looking at a six for this. I do think this is one when I rewatch in a year or two that it's just going to keep going higher score wise for me. And it could be, yeah, maybe just a little bit removed from it. Maybe I'll I have a better appreciation for it. I like, but the two rewatches I or the two watches I did was like I went to the theater on a Sunday and then I watched it at a friend's house Monday, so it was back to back. So I didn't get a lot of separation between viewings, which sometimes hurts the rewatches. I kind of like to take a break and digest a little bit and then watch again. Yeah, you do need a little bit of a gestation period on it. Yeah, because it doesn't... When you watch it that closely together, I think the second time is just like, okay, well, I just saw this. On to the next thing. Like, you're you're not combing over it as deeply as I think I'd like to. So that might have hurt my rewatch view and eventually, you know, affected my rating and stuff like that. So whenever it uh, goes through the window of being off HBO Max and maybe finally comes back to HBO Max, maybe I'll I'll try to revisit it again. And maybe between now and then, I'll try to watch the other Matrix and then get to it for the third time and see what I think. But yeah, for right now, that's kind of, kind of where I'm at. All right. So I guess that concludes our review of the matrix resurrections. Uh, again, just as a reminder, this is episode 249. Next one, we're doing 250. Uh, so we're recording. I'll give you the date again. We are going for Saturday, January 29th, 6 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. That's my Twitch handle at Jedi Bry Guy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. <laughs> you can find me there. Uh, again, link will be in the description for this episode if you want to get ahead and follow already. The be set. Uh, again, I will try to put the link for that page up on Twitter and Facebook on our socials, so you will be aware 
when that's happening. But that's it for us. So if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. You can follow or subscribe to the show to keep up with us. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher, hopefully anywhere you're listening to podcasts, you can find us. Check us out on Facebook. Search Braggana Super Friends. Go to facebook.com slash Superfriends. Again, I'll be posting links there. Uh, you can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. We'll talk to you. Uh, try to email me, braggasuperfriends at gmail.com. I won't see it. That We usually don't use that for anything. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BG, at BG Superfriends. I will put that link up uh, for Twitch and everything on Twitter also, so you can keep an eye out for that. Uh, and I guess that's it. So keep an eye out for 250. It uh, should be a big one. Feel free to stop in at any point over the probably, presumably, four-hour podcast that we will probably try to do. Uh, that's it. On behalf of Andy, Josh, Ian, and myself, thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time for 250. Free your mind. <laughs> we got through a whole discussion without Ian bringing up Ninja Turtles. <laughs>